0: Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm sitting down. You can go ahead and make your way back to your seats. This is a very new experience for me. Uh, As Pastor Mike mentioned, you know, uh, as my wife Talisha, we are going to be teaching all of you today a little bit about fasting. So with fasting not really being very a popular topic, I decided to bring my back up with me. So don't get mad at me. You can't get mad at this beautiful face. So I'm excited to have my wife up here with me today. And uh, we are celebrating. This is a new thing for us. This is a first for us. So um, I'm excited to be able to, to deliver, deliver the word of God, not just to you, but with her to you. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Uh, of course, we mentioned we're here to talk about fasting and uh, fasting's real hard. It's a hard, hard thing to do. And, and we here at First Church and really spirit filled people, we talk a lot about spiritual things, right? We're very, very in tune, maybe sometimes even too much, blaming Satan for everything that goes wrong in our life, but we're very in tune with spiritual things. But, um, we're gonna talk about the spiritual things, the spiritual benefits of fasting. But, um, while we were in our study, we found some really, really amazing things that happen to your physical flesh, physical benefits, um, to fasting. So um, we know that 1 Corinthians 6, 9, tell me if you've ever heard this verse, Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? That God himself lives inside of us? If you've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, then your body becomes a temple. And, you know, I, I said in the first service, I'll say it again, I, I treat this room that we are in today very differently than I treat other rooms. Um, you know, I, I used to trim the grass here at the church uh, during the summer, and and bless God, he's allowed us to get to a point where we can have that contracted out. Saves me about three hours every Saturday, so praise the Lord for that. But no doubt, when I was trimming the grass, my boots would get covered because the dew on the grass and I'm trimming, they would be covered in, in grass. I would never dream of walking into this room with dirty boots on. And Sister Parson says, amen, because she's the one who does all the cleaning here at the church, her and her team. And Angela Lewis does such a great job. But I wouldn't dream of, of walking into this house with filthy boots on, getting muck and garbage and grass clippings everywhere. I know me personally, uh, this is just a personal conviction of mine. If I have on a baseball hat, when I walk through those doors back there, I take my hat off. That's, that's a personal conviction for me because of the room that I just entered and who shows up here. What happens in this room matters. What we just did around a Sunday service, you know, on our Sunday service, that matters. When praise and worship is offered unto the Lord, when prayers are offered on Monday nights here, This is a place where God shows up. This is the house of God. And I treat it differently. I'll be honest with you. If I'm working in my yard and and I'm mowing the grass or or doing something in the yard and I need to run into the house real quick, I don't always take off my shoes. Full confession. I'll say, you know, I'll clean that up later on. I don't think twice about where I wear a hat, but the house of God is different. Why then sometimes, especially from October through January, do I have seemingly no discipline with what I put into the temple of God? The Bible talks about in my father's house are many mansions and Pastor Hoffman has taught us for years that that does not mean that when we get to heaven, we get the biggest house on the block. That's not what that is talking about. The Greek word for mansion is dwelling place. You can read it. Like this, in my father's house are many dwelling places. You're a dwelling place for the almighty power of God. And you're in his house. And I think it's not, and of course, we focus on a lot of spiritual things and we should. We're, we're spirit filled people. And one day this flesh isn't going to be an issue for us, but right now it is. And it's very important. I think we need to talk a little bit more in, in Pentecost about the value and the importance of taking care of the temple that God lives in. I remember I was so convicted one time and and, and it was it was over here maybe wow, five years ago, and I was so convicted with with you know going out to eat a lot and fast food and, and a lot of sugar. And um, I can't say that I've I've gotten tremendously better at that, but I am trying. But I remember God prompted me in thought and he said, you know what? The way that you're living right now is taking life off of the end of your life. If, if you were supposed to, let's just say you, live, you have a healthy lifestyle, you, you could live to 90, 100 years old. If you don't take care of the temple that God's living in, maybe that gets shortened to 80 years old. Maybe that gets shortened to 70 years old. And I was so convicted in my spirit Because who was I supposed to reach in those years that I have squandered by not taking care of the temple that God lives in? Does that make sense? I don't want to have a soul that I'm supposed to reach at 85 not get reached because I couldn't put down the double whopper with cheese. Is that real? Is that real enough for everyone? We don't talk a lot about it. But physical health matters because God chose to live inside of your physical body. And so we have to be very, very careful. In fact, we found some amazing things with what benefits that happened in the natural regarding fasting. And so one of them was a study that was out of Boston. So the nettles will like that. Boston University. Or should I say Boston? Boston. Boston University. (laughs) And uh, Boston did a, uh, a study, and they said, if over the course of your life, if you do a 40-day fast one time, no food, liquids only, 40 days, you will reduce the odds of ever getting cancer by 70%. One 40-day fast in your lifetime. Isn't that incredible? 70% re- reduction. I found this. Um, it's called... Medical people might not might not like the way I pronounce this, so bear with me. Autophagy, A-U-T-O-P-H-A-G-Y. Is that how you'd say it? Go, with it. go I'm going to go with it. After 24 to 48 hours of not eating food, your body goes into this process. Essentially what happens is, is over the course of life, for various different reasons, viruses, bacteria, you know, different health issues, the cells in your body can become damaged. Um, you know, if you go back to the high school biology, you know, you've got the cell and the cell membrane, um, mitochondria, lysosomes, ribosomes. Does that sound familiar to anybody or am I making that up? Um, your cells are damaged and your body will go into this process where it actually begins to repair damaged cells. And if it cannot repair those damaged cells, it removes them from your body. It's kind of like having a computer. Anybody got a, a computer that they've had for a while and it starts getting slow, getting laggy, just doesn't run very good and you run the malware or the virus scan and it's like, man, you got all this stuff wrong. And, and it gets rid of that stuff, and then boom, your computer works good again. That's what God designed our bodies to do after 24 to 48 hours of fasting. And the sad truth is that some people go their whole life and never actually use this system that God put in to our bodies for our benefit. Isn't that incredible? That God allowed that to happen in our, in our flesh for our benefit, not just the spiritual benefits that we're going to get to, But but physical benefits as well. And so Talisha is going to take over from here. She's got we're just going to talk about the different fasts that we are doing here at First Church over this 21 days of prayer and fasting.
1: Yeah, just to briefly go over um, the fast that we promote here at First Church. um, There is the complete fast, which is water only uh, juices optional. There is the Daniel's fast, which is no meat, sweets or dairy. Um, There's the partial fast, also known as the Jewish fast, where you would um, basically no food sunup to sundown. And there's something called the soul fast. This would be like a social media fast. This may be for somebody who is new to fasting or may have some health restrictions preventing them from fasting food. Um, But I think the important thing is, is that when you're going into a fast, to make sure that you pray about which fast you should do and for how long because um, fasting is important. You don't want to choose a fast with your flesh, um, because fasting uh, fasting is very important. Fasting weakens the flesh so that your spirit can grow stronger and become more available to God. So.
0: I love that where you can become more available to God. You know, I, I heard I heard somebody say it like this. They said fasting doesn't get you more of God. Fasting gives God more of you. Yes. Amen. And it's so it's so relevant to what we're talking. I want to give God all of me. Yes. I don't want there to be anything, Amen. any area of my life that God doesn't have complete access to and complete authority over. And, and that's why what we're talking about fasting. Fasting helps us. It's hard, but it helps us to get to that point. Um, you know, the Bible's full, it's really full of, of different situations about people fasting, um, certainly in the Old Testament, uh, almost exclusively when you find people who are, who are choosing to fast, it's because there is a need that they need God to act upon. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of times it's a battle where uh, you know Israel or a kingdom, they're outnumbered and there's no way that they can win the battle except God does something miraculous and the people begin to fast. Uh, there's the story of Hadassah, uh, more commonly referred to as Esther in, in, in the Bible, where all of the, all the Jews are going to get wiped out. They're going to get killed. And, and Esther says, you know what? Tell the people to fast. We're going to go on a three day fast. Now she's a tough, she's a tough cookie because she said, you know what, we're going to go on a three day fast. We're not going to have food and we're not going to have water. Now I don't, I don't know how long you've ever been without water, but I promise you three days is no joke. That's a hard thing to do. Fasting is hard, but the need was great. And God provided a miraculous way of escape for his people. Uh, there's a story of, of uh, Jonah in, in the Old Testament. And, you know, he was the prophet that ran from God. And God finally took over his will and swallowed him up with a big fish and spit him out of the shores of Nineveh. Because God was upset with the people in Nineveh. He was actually going to destroy the whole city. And, and he sent Jonah, said, you know what? You've got to warn them and tell them that this is where I'm at. They're getting ready to be wiped out. Um, and of course, Jonah reluctantly goes and and tells the people in Nineveh Nineveh and the king that God's mad and he's going to kill you. And they go on a 40 day fast, not just, not just the adults, but the, the children. So for anybody who's got young children right now, can you imagine telling your five year old that you're not going to eat for 40 days and not just the children, not just that battle, but all the animals that were in the city of Nineveh and they went on a complete 40 day fast and God miraculously spared that nation. I've always wondered, you know, some dude comes into the, into the city that I would be a king over and says, you know what, God's going to kill you. And, and the king says, OK, 40 day fast. Nobody's eaten anything. It almost seems, you know, not very logical. But if you can read, now this isn't found in scripture, so put that into proper context. But there are Jewish rabbis have, have something they, they call commentaries. And, and, you know, they actually, a lot of Jewish rabbis actually believe that the king of Nineveh was Pharaoh from the Exodus from Egypt. They believe that he was the same guy. So you can imagine Pharaoh on the, on the shores of the Red Sea. After his army just got wiped out, he's looking across on the other side and the wealth of Egypt is in the Israelites hands. Remember, they left with great spoil. So there's no wealth left. There's no army left. He's got a bunch of mad people who just went through 10 plagues. Not a good, his, his polls were in election year. His poll rating wasn't very good. He did not have a good approval rating. And so they believe he went to a place called Nineveh. And when the people of Nineveh found out, hey, you used, you're Pharaoh from Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world, they put him over, over to be the king. And when Jonah says the God of Israel is upset with you, it would make logical sense. Man, I just went through 10 plagues. <laughs> that God of Israel just wiped out my army and just took all my money. If the God of Israel is upset, we're going to fast. Not just us, the women, the children, the cattle, the goats, the sheep, everybody's fasting, the babies. And so that's, like I said, that's not in scripture, but that's, that's just uh, what the Jewish rabbis believe. So there's a lot of fasting that you can find in the Old Testament, but almost always, it's with a great, great need for God to do something miraculously. Now, in the New Testament, there was a lot of fasting as well, uh, but I don't see a lot of instances where there was a great need that was there to where they 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 called the fast to meet a need. A lot of the fasting in the New Testament was for closeness and intimacy with God. It, it was um, it was a normal practice. Uh, the Pharisees fasted one to two days a week, just as normal everyday lifestyle behavior. Um, So I think that was more custom of the day and and, and wanting to get close to God in in that intimacy. Now, Pastor Mike mentioned tomorrow night at Monday night prayer, we're gonna be walking through the tabernacle. And I always love this because um, this is is an Old Testament pathway to get into the presence of God, to get into that place of the Holy of Holies. And, And there's so much, uh, rich Bible that, that is here, and I, I, can't afford to get distracted on it, but, you know, when you study the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, that's woven into the tabernacle. You come to a place of an altar, that's where there's shedding of blood, that's repentance. You go to the laver, there's water or washing, that's water baptism in Jesus' name. You go into the Holy of Holies, the Shekinah glory, and God shows up. It's, it's infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, but there's also another way that you can look at this. You know, there's a there's a Bible verse that says that the word of God actually has a washing property to it. It's it's why we don't when we mess up and we sin, we don't have to get rebaptized. Some of y'all be getting rebaptized every day. Right. oh, got to go to the water again. What a nightmare that would be. But the Bible said, you know, you can repent and get that forgiveness. But when you spend time in the word of God, it says by the washing of the word, there's a very, very powerful uh, um, aspect of the word of God that washes you and cleanses you, which can be found at the labor, right? The washing, right? We know what we just had here, praise and worship. Pastor Mike taught an amazing message last week about the power of prayer and making sure prayer is your lifeline and staying connected to God in prayer. And that, that can be getting into that presence of God in that holy of holies. And, and sometimes if we're not careful, we'll wanna go to the word and the washing and we'll want to go to the praise and the prayer of the presence of God but we we walk right past that altar because the altars hard yeah. the altar is as brother Mark Morgan taught us almost 18 months ago when we started our let's imagine campaign the altars where things go to die right. the altar is where flesh dies you die out to your own will your own way of thinking your own thoughts your old way of life. But I don't know of any other way than to hurt this flesh than by fasting. Right. Amen. And we can't afford to go right past fasting and, and the tearing down of our flesh and, and be content with the word and be content with prayer and praise. You got to have them all. Amen. And so like that, there's something very, very powerful about being aware. Fasting is not just for 21 days in the beginning of january or the first three and i'm so thankful to be a part of a church that offers the first three days of every single month unto god as a tithe but what about if god challenges you on the 16th day of the month what about the 23rd day of the month that's why you've got to be led of the spirit and in tune with the spirit it's not just something i do at the beginning of the year and the beginning of the month, if God challenges me and I feel led of God, I'm going to fast yes. because I can't be content with the Word and His presence only. Right. I've got to put this stuff in check because I learned I learned long ago my number one enemy is not Satan, right. Right. my the the destroyer of my soul, the the, the lion who seeks to devour. That's not my biggest threat. The Bible says I've got power over him.
2: Right. Amen.
0: He's under my foot. Yes. So I'm not terribly worried about him and all of the demons in hell itself. I don't worry about that. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Amen. I'm worried about this stuff. Yes. Yes. This flesh that I'm in. That's the biggest enemy of my soul yes. is this flesh. So fasting puts that, it puts that in check.
1: Um, there's a very powerful uh, story about fasting in the New Testament that I want to share, and it's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It is the story of Cornelius the Centurion. It's in um, Acts 10, If, if, and of course I'll be sort of giving cliff notes to this, um, based on fasting. But if you're not familiar with this story, I highly encourage you to read it, uh, read the whole chapter of Acts 10. It's, it, it will encourage you on so many different levels. But I'm going to start out by reading Acts 10, 1 through 6. And it says, there was a, a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Now, what we we know that Cornelius is praying and that he had a lifestyle of giving, but what we later read in chapter thirty, I'm sorry, ten thirty, is Cornelius was nine hours into a four day fast. So that's so incredible to think about that he was fasting when this happened, and so he sends three servants to Joppa to go find Peter. And during that time, Peter is on a rooftop and it says that he's praying, but it also says that he's hungry. And so there's actually some, some people say that he was fasting as well, but it specifically says that he's praying. And while he's praying, he has a vision as well. And he has this vision of a large sheet coming down, descending from heaven with all kinds of wild beasts and four-footed animals and reptiles, birds of the air, all of these animals that the Jewish people considered unclean for eating. And a voice from heaven says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Acts 10, 14, Peter says, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. So Peter's trying to figure out what this vision means. And all of a sudden, there's these guys waiting at the door for him. And God told him, there's going to be some guys waiting for you. I want you to go with them. I've sent them. Doubt nothing. And so he goes with them to Cornelius' house. And when he gets there, Cornelius says, hey, I had this vision. God told me that you would tell us what to do. And Peter, he looks at him and he's like, you know, I shouldn't even be here, right? It's unlawful for me as a Jew to be here with you Gentiles. But he gained insight that that vision that he had of the animals was actually about people. He said, God told me that I was not to call any man unclean or common. And so he walks through the doors of Cornelius's house to a room full of people. Because it says that Cornelius invited all of his friends and family over to hear what Peter had to say. And so imagine his entire circle of influence is there waiting for this moment. And so Peter starts preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles for the very first time. This is this is a big deal. This is amazing. This is me and you, right? We're Gentiles. And so this is where it was preached the very first time in Acts 10.44. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. So he's not even done with his message yet. There's no time for an altar call. And can you imagine being in a service like that where we're just preaching and someone just, bam, gets filled with the Holy Ghost? How incredible. But Peter, he's like, he looks over at one of his guys and he's like, well, can any man forbid water? They just got the same Holy Ghost that we got, They need to be baptized in the name of Jesus like we were. And so here, Cornelius' entire circle of influence, because of the lifestyle that he had, it says that he prayed to God always, that he was a generous giver. But it was during his fast where lives were changed and the, the gospel message was now open to the Gentiles. But fasting can bring salvation to your circle of influence and open doors to new dimensions.
0: You know, it was, it was cool. She was, she was talking about this in the first service and then it hits me. So she's, she's saying the first time the Holy Ghost was poured out or access to the Holy Ghost was to the Gentiles, there was prayer and fasting happening. And, and I remembered a verse in, in Acts chapter one when Jesus said, go to Jerusalem till you get power from on high. And, and it says that they continued in prayer and in supplication. This is before Acts 2. There it is right here. Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. That's when the Holy Ghost got poured out for the very first time. But it says they continued in prayer and fast and supplication. So if you're continually in prayer, you don't have time to make dinner. You're you're not cooking breakfast and saying, "Hey, hey, Peter, go grab some eggs. I'm hungry, right? I believe they were fasting for 10 days in prayer. They were in a 10-day prayer meeting and fasting. There's something about prayer and fasting connected to the power of the Holy Ghost. Because in both instances, when it was first poured out on humanity and when it was first opened to the Gentiles, prayer and fasting were present. Isn't that incredible? I want to go ahead, we'll, we'll move on, I'll tell you another story, it's going to be in Luke 5, and um, all throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus was radical, he was, um, he, he ruffled a lot of feathers, which, you know, I really like about him, um, you know, the religious people were very uncomfortable with Jesus, but the sinners loved him, and they were very comfortable, so that, that should tell us how to be, you're either going to act like the religious hoity-toity people and nose in the air... Or you're going to be able to be friends with publicers, publicans and sinners that you can teach them and reach them and and witness to them. I'll choose the latter. I'll leave the other, your decisions up to you. But um, so the the Pharisees were always trying, they're the religious people. And they're always trying to trick Jesus and trying to get him to get caught up in his words or to do something that they know is against the Levitical law, the Torah of Moses. They're always trying to mess him up. And so they're talking with Jesus in, in Luke chapter 5 here. And they're saying, hey, how come your disciples don't fast? Because at the time, the disciples were not fasting. And it was, it was something that was so apparent that the Pharisees took notice. Remember, I said that they, they fasted one to two days a week. In fact, they said the, the disciples of John the Baptist, you know, they fast. But your disciples, they're, they're not fasting. And Jesus, you know, says, you know what? When the bridegroom's here, it's time to eat. Praise the Lord. You ever been to a wedding and and there's no food? That's not a great wedding, okay? When the bridegroom's here, it's time to celebrate. It's time to eat. That's what Jesus is teaching. But then he goes on to say, but there's coming a day when the bridegroom won't be with them. And when the bridegroom is gone, they will fast. Notice the expectation That Jesus puts on the disciples. Right now I'm here. There's no need to fast. When I leave, they will. Not they might. Not they're going to pray about it. It's been my experience. If you ask somebody to do something and they say, well, I'll pray about it. That means no. That's just being, yeah, in a nice way. Oh, I'll pray about it. Okay. I'll find somebody else. But when Jesus left, that's the expectation. You will, you will fast. So it tells me if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got to have fasting as a part of your life. Not just an isolated event, but a, a lifestyle. You know, a, a life of prayer, life of study of the word, a life of giving, and a life of fasting. It's very, very essential to call yourself that. But after he's describing this to the Pharisees, then he goes on, which, which kind of seems like a curveball, but I believe they're very much the same, the same message and the same theme. He starts talking about wineskins. He says, you, you don't put new wine in an old wineskin. Because the the process of turning a a grape juice into wine, it's a fermentation process and it requires that wineskin to stretch. And if you put brand new wine into an old wineskin, the wineskin is going to break because it can't handle the process of the new wine. Jesus is explaining this and it seems like, well, we were just talking about fasting. Why are we talking about wine and wineskins? It doesn't seem... Like it's, it's a, it seems like it's a completely new topic. But I believe that Jesus is continuing the thought of fasting. That all through Scripture, you can, you can, um, see the Bible reference the Spirit of God in a few different things. Um, sometimes it'll refer to the Spirit of God as water. Sometimes the, the Spirit of God can be referenced or referred to as oil, anointing oil sometimes it can be referred to as wine, the power that wine has right over your flesh. And, and, and I believe that Jesus is talking about fasting to the Pharisees. And then he starts talking about wine and wine skins. And, and I think when you get the understanding that, that the wine is his spirit, and when you're full of the spirit, you have the fullness of God inside of you. You have that power inside of you. I said, but Sometimes God wants to do a new thing with that power. In fact, we have a Bible verse that says, behold, I will do a new thing. And in order for God to, to notch a deeper depth in your spirit or a, carve out a fresh and new anointing in your spirit, sometimes that requires getting a new wine skid sometimes that requires changing the container or affecting the container that the wine is in. We know that the the body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, but sometimes God wants to take you deeper into the Holy Ghost, take you into a depth, right? It's the progression that we read about in Ezekiel. You were at the Ankles, then you're at the knees and then you're at the waist in water and then you're overhead and you can't touch the bottom. That's a progression that you can get to in the spirit of God. And I, and I think Jesus is saying, listen, there are sometimes I want to I do something new in the Holy Ghost. Something new that First Church has never done. Something new that's never happened before. But I can't do it unless you get a new wineskin. And new wineskins... Happen when we affect our container and nothing affects our container, our flesh, the way that fasting can. So it's imperative. Have a lifestyle of fasting and watch God do something new and great in your life.
1: Um, I wanted to share the story of where Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. Um, I was reading, when we were studying um, fasting for this lesson, this story, it it spoke to me in a way that I had never read it before. And so I'm going to read uh, Matthew 17, 14 through 21. It says, "'When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. "'Lord, have mercy on my son,' he said. "'He has seizures and is suffering greatly.' He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed in that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And so it was so, it jumped right out at me. Jesus is connecting a lack of faith with a lack of fasting. And so I think the lesson here is that fasting increases your faith and takes you to new dimensions of spiritual authority.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I, I, um, I've I, always read that verse, you know, some things only go out through prayer and fasting. We say it all the time, especially this time of year, that, you know what, we don't know what's coming up in our year. But if we're praying and fasting, some things are just going to get driven out before we ever get there. Amen. But there are times where, you know what, I have felt, so much stronger not just in, in in sensitivity to God and closeness in prayer but i have felt this i have felt my faith be strengthened i have, I have felt that supernatural uh, um um increase in my faith we know we know the bible talks about a measure of faith uh, there's a verse that says you know uh, faith is a grain of a mustard seed another verse that says great faith There's even a a, a supernatural gift of faith in the Holy Ghost, and so if if you want, if you know that like that's a weakness of yours, you say, "Man, I'm always pessimistic. Or I I I naturally look at the negative things. Or I naturally um, think, you know what? Well, we just prayed, but you know, we'll see. Like if you're if that's you, then evaluate yourself and, and 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 strive for an increase in faith, and God will help you get that. Through fasting, yes. through fasting, great revelation um, in that. Now, um, I, I want to talk about um, the story of Jesus going into the wilderness. You know, most of the people in this room, we have heard about that, um, that before Jesus, um, you know, was was revealed, you know, he was, he started his ministry with a fast. This is before any uh, known miracle that we have written in scripture Um, you know, he's never preached a message. He's never, he's he's never done any of that, but he, he says it's in Luke chapter four and we'll read, we'll read a few verses here. Luke four verses one through two, it says, Jesus being full of the Holy ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness and being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were uh, ended afterward, he was hungered. Of course he was hungry. Come on, Luke. 40 days of no eating, that's a given, right? After 40 days, he was hungry, no kidding. But before Jesus did anything in his ministry, he did a 40-day fast. So, side note, the University of Boston says he reduced his rate of getting cancer by 70%. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So, he begins this ministry with fasting for 40 days. But let's, let's find out what happened. We know during this 40 days, Satan came to him and tempted him and... And uh, Satan will always, always attack. Has anybody felt the attack since we've been fasting, or since, since that you know this whole thing began? Um, Satan's opportunistic. He'll come at you when you are at a weak point. Okay, but remember, you have authority over him. So Jesus, Jesus answered the temptation with scripture, quoting scripture. But then, if we drop down to verse fourteen, this is what it says. Listen, it says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. So at the beginning, it says that, that he was full of the Holy Ghost and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After 40 days of fasting, it says that he was in the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you that you can be full of the Holy Ghost and led of the Holy Ghost and not in the power of the Holy Ghost? If you get the Holy Ghost today and you, you've never been baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost and, and God does that miraculous thing, it'll happen today if you want it. I'll just go ahead and prophesy that. I already know that it's God's will that none should perish. So I don't have to wonder if God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I know he already does. Amen. But if that happens today for the very first time to you, you are full of the Holy Ghost. That's what happens. He fills you and then speaks through you. It's an overflowing of what he's done. That's why we speak in tongues, heavenly language. But you're full of the Holy Ghost. And then as you learn and you pray and get discipline in your life as far as you know, connection with God, he'll lead you and guide you throughout your life. But it doesn't mean that you're in the power of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't mean, in fact, listen to how, how exact the word of God is. It doesn't say that he returned with the power of the Holy Ghost, because I believe that when you have been filled with the Spirit of God, that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. It doesn't mean you know how to use it. It's one thing to have it in you. It's another thing to know how to let it out of you. Because Jesus said this, he was talking about the Holy Ghost. He said there would be rivers of living water that would flow out of you. This he spoke of the Holy Ghost. They didn't understand it, but that's what he was talking about. So he came out of the wilderness, not with the power, in the power of the Holy Ghost, which is so amazing to me. And then remember, first time Jesus's ministry begins and he walks straight into the synagogue. He walks into the church. And this is the people that he knows he's going to butt heads with for the next few years. And this is what he says. Listen, hear this scripture with the revelation of Jesus being in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's an interesting way to begin your sermon for the very first sermon you've ever taught. In fact, I remember the first sermon that I ever preached here was on a Wednesday night Bible study. And y'all, I was nervous. I still get nervous. And I thank God for that because it keeps me honest. Means that I, I, I it it challenges me. I don't ever just get up here without prayer, without fasting, without study of Scripture. So I thank God for that. But I still get nervous. In fact, they say that's the number one fear is public speaking. It's it's not getting burned alive. It's not it's not drowning or getting suffocated. Personally, I think getting suffocated is a little more nerve wracking than <laughs> than public speaking but but you all can be intimidating. And so my very first time speaking, I remember I was trying to I was trying to, you know, follow my notes and and, and trying to make sure that, you know what, I, I presented something good some good, you know, teaching to you cuz we've got the greatest Bible teacher on the history of the planet yes, that that has has preached here to you and I for well over 35 years and it's like, man, now I got to get up here. So you have that in the back of your head. I remember I couldn't get my mouth wet. Like, you know, like you wake up in the morning, you got that nasty thing. I kept drinking water and I remember I was doing it so much, but if you wanted me to talk, I had to drink some water. All right. And I remember it was so, so funny looking back now. I remember I got a call from pastor afterwards. He said, well, Bo, You did a good job. He said, I was talking to, I won't say her name, but he said, I was talking to mother. And she said, you were drinking water a lot. And it it was kind of distracting. And so... It's I thank God for that because it's hard to it's hard to self evaluate. That's why I, I, I don't like to do it, but I'll watch the live stream later today and I'll try to learn where I can get better as a speaker because I don't want to do something that's distracting from the word of God. So it was a it was an interesting first message for me, and, and I'm still working on it, so have patience with me. But I think about Jesus exiting the wilderness in the power of of the Holy Ghost and he says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me that takes a lot of guts to walk into the religious people's house and say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me then he says because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Set liberty to them that are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Yes. That takes some guts. And what he did next takes even more guts. He said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Declaring himself jubilee. Declaring himself the acceptable year of the Lord. He was in the power Of the Holy Ghost. And it was because of the fasting that he did. That he got into the power. It was in the power of the Holy Ghost through fasting that Jesus got clarity. He got clarity in fasting. He came out of the wilderness and knew exactly what he needed to do. Now, I don't know. I, I talked to you a few weeks ago about some appointed scriptures and there are, there are things in the, in the Jewish synagogues that the rabbis read, and they're appointed from, from a long ways in advance. So they read um, you know, on the Sabbath something that was appointed from years prior. I don't know if what Jesus read out of the book of Isaiah was appointed or not. I don't know if they were doing it that long ago, but I do know the Bible says they handed him the scroll. I have no record of Jesus saying, you know what, I'm gonna, we're gonna read out of the book of Isaiah today. I don't have any record of that. It's very likely that that was an appointed scripture. And he opened that scroll and read this verse. It's fulfilled in your ears, declaring himself Messiah. But that doesn't happen without fasting. That doesn't happen without being in the power of the Holy Ghost. And so the worship team is going to come. We're going to go ahead and dive into a little bit about what that word power means. That power, you know, there's only really one word for us in English, but in the Greek, it's different. That word that, that says that he returned in the power of the Holy Ghost, it's the word dunamis. It, it literally means dynamite. It, it can be translated to mean um, um, healing power, uh, miraculous power, the power to do miracles. He returned in the power to do miracles. It's the same verse that, that Jesus said, Go wait until you get power from on high. Same, same word. You got to wait for the power to do the miraculous. And, uh, you know, there's a couple more verses. In fact, um, you remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And she had this issue for 12 years, and nothing that she tried worked. And she said, If I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I would be healed. Notice her faith. I promise you there's some fasting that's going on in there to have that kind of faith but when she actually makes her way and grabs the hem of his garment she's fulfilling the prophecy in malachi that said there would be healing in his wings that word wings can be translated to borders or edges of garments so she grabs that and 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 jesus says who touched me and the disciples are you know i just picture them like come on boss like are you are you serious there's hundreds of people around you right now. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you right now. You're famous. But he says, no, somebody, somebody touched me. He says, listen, he says, virtue has left me. It's virtue when we read it in English, but that word is not that word in Greek. In the, in the Greek, that is dunamos. The power to do the miraculous just left me. She literally siphoned the power of the Holy Ghost out of Jesus through his garment. Wow. That's why we have scriptures where, we, where it says the disciples were walking down a road and their shadow overcast onto people and they were healed. How does that happen? That's being in the power of the Holy Ghost. Not just having it. Being in the power of the Holy Ghost. We, we quote this verse a lot, certainly here in church. It says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think. That's usually where we stop quoting the verse, right? Now, I I don't dispute God is able to do anything. He has all power and all authority. But listen to what God chose to put in in this verse. It says, according to the power, same word, dunamis, according to the miraculous power that works in us. You see, when God decided to have a church in Acts chapter two, he essentially decided not to operate outside of the church. Now, this isn't the church. You're the church. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God says, you know what? I can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think, but I'm going to do it to the power that works in you. The power that you take out when you leave this building, the power that you walk around with at the grocery store, the power that you take to your job. I'm going to work through that power and I'm going to do it through the temple that I'm living in. And so it's your prayers that bring about the miraculous. It's your faith that triggers the miraculous and God to do something powerful and amazing for somebody else. And so, you know, in our study, we we came across. I, I've I've listened to, um, you know, a lot of. Praise God! The Detroit Lions are playing a home football game tonight. Hey, you might not be excited. That's thirty years in the making. Praise God! we and we're listen, Lord. We're praying and fasting, and we got the blue lights on right now. <laughs> but over the course of trying to follow this team through the year, I heard. I heard somebody uh, uh, um, say this. He was an ex-football player, John Jansen, for the University of Michigan. We did say a prayer for University of Michigan. That worked out, so Lord, we need another one tonight. But he said, you can have all the talent in the world. He says, if you're not available, if you're always hurt, you're always injured, he said, you're no good to the team if you're always out on the sideline. And then he said this, and it just it's like you hear something and it's like, Somebody says something like oh that's that's a spiritual revelation but he said your greatest ability is availability. So good. And I think that's what God's really trying to get us and teach us in in this moment is when we're praying and we're studying the scripture and we're living a lifestyle of giving and we're living a lifestyle of fasting it's what I said earlier It doesn't get us more of God. It gives God more of us. And when we give God more of us, we're more available to him. And he can use you on your job. He can use you at your work. He can use you out in public. It's, It's one thing. We celebrate all the wins that we have here around this altar and in our life groups. And if you haven't signed up for a life group, make sure that you do that today on our website. But great things happen in our life groups, and we're grateful for that. But I, I, think, I think the end time harvest, I think what we're on the brink of is, is Pastor Mike, it's bigger than life groups. It's bigger than this room. It's, it's something that's going to, you could have a life group at work with 100%, you're the only church person there. Well, why can't you have that life group at work and watch God do the power? Watch God do the miraculous at your work or on your job or in your school or in the, in, in the grocery store or at a gas station. I, I really feel like God's challenging us. Like, listen, I know we're a church that that is doing all these things, but let's let's be so intentional and so committed this year to prayer, to fasting, to study of scripture, to our giving. And, and we're going to watch God do something miraculous this year. So why don't we all stand? Why don't we all stand? I know this has been more laid back. I thoroughly enjoyed the acoustic set that Pastor Draylen and his team uh, did earlier today. And and you know what? This is just a just a great environment. I want to, if we could all just come to the front. Um, they're of course going to sing something, you know, behind me. But I, we really felt challenged and and led. You know, we're we're roughly two weeks. You know, we're we're just under two weeks in to our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So praise God, you're almost two-thirds of the way there. That's worth celebrating. But we, if you just look at like the last third, we're just going to look at the last week. And as Talisha said, don't don't choose your fast in flesh. And we're going to have a time of, like, this is dangerous, y'all. This can be a dangerous prayer. I remember I, one of the most dangerous prayers I ever prayed was, God, I want you to use me. He said, okay, I will, but I got to fix some stuff. And the fixing of some stuff is going to require some hard times. You're going to have to go into the valley. You're going to have to go into the muck and the mire because I, I can't use you until I'm going to clean you up a little bit. That's a dangerous prayer, but I thank God I prayed it. This is a dangerous prayer I'm asking you to pray right now. I want you to ask God... God, what do you want from me? What type of fast do you want from me for this last week, this last third? Is there something, God, that you want and are asking of me? Because remember, availability. I want to become available to you. Are you leading me? Are you guiding me into something maybe more than what I've done? Now, maybe God is cool with what you've done and I'm I'm not judging what you've done and that's between you and God but say that prayer and see if God doesn't want to take you into a new depth. See if God doesn't want to challenge you a little bit in this last week of prayer. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. They're going to go ahead and and start singing behind me and, uh, and just be real, just be honest with your prayer today and and see if God won't speak to you. Lord, we thank you God for the power of your word, Lord, for the revelation of fasting. and, And we are so grateful Lord, that we get to be here and fast together corporately as a, as a church body. Lord, this isn't about me. This is about your body and this is about the city that you have planted us in. God, there are needs here and and Lord, we are we are so very conscious of of Pastor and Sister Hoffman and and, and Lord and Hank Curtis and what the needs that are represented here. Lord, if there's something that you are stirring in me, if there, Lord, if there's something, God, that you are are challenging me in in this last week of fasting, God, I, I want to be available to you. I don't I don't want it to be closed off. I I don't want a mighty God withhold anything from you in this week, God. Uh, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, God, I'll make sure that I do it. I'll make sure I give it my very best, God, that it would please you and honor you, my Lord. God, and I humbly pray that you would help us as a church body, God, to grow, God, to thrive, oh Lord, to to, to operate in a depth in the power of the Holy Ghost that we have yet to see, Lord. God, because I do want to see the dead raised to life. I do want to see blind eyes. To my knowledge, God, blind eyes have never been opened in this room. God, I want to see it. I'm going to see it here, Lord. I will see deaf ears unlocked, God. I I will see people coming out of wheelchairs, God. I I believe very strong. I will see, God, marriages mended and and, and, and mental, God, disorders and, and things, God, mended, God. I will see that. I thank you for it, God. Speak to us now, I pray. Dear Jesus, examine our hearts. Let them be faithful. Let them be tried and true unto you. Dear Jesus, I praise you and I thank you for the honor to be here today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
2: Holiness, holiness is what I love. Bye.